Good morning. My name is Kim Stroba, and today's reading comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 27 through 34, followed by Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about these clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. This morning, we have the privilege of hearing from Pastor Mark, and I get to interview him, maybe asking some of the questions you've been wondering about in his life of ministry and as a follower of Jesus. Um, You heard the scripture already, and so we're going to engage together. He's going to unpack that scripture and tell some stories about how that's impacted his own life and his years of ministry. Many of you have heard Mark's sermons and teachings over these past years, so this is a chance to get behind the scenes and see what is most important to him as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus. So, nice to have you here, Mark. I'm glad to be here, six feet apart. Yeah, six feet apart. Six feet apart. So, you chose the theme, the main thing, Mm -hmm. for this final series. Why is that? Well, uh, first of all, for human beings, life is full of complexity, and anything that uh, simplifies the complex, I'm always in favor of. And you've probably heard me say, let's just keep this thing simple. So that's the first thing. And then secondly, Jesus is the master of simplifying the complex. And uh, we see that in this in the passage that we're going to be looking at today. Seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things. You know, what are all these things? Well, we, we could all make a list of what that might be. They'll be added to you, but s- keeping the center, the center, the main thing, the main thing. And you also see it in, uh, when Jesus is asked about the law, what, what's the heart of the law? And he, there's 613 commandments in it, 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 for anybody who's counting that we find in the Old Testament. And so what does he say? Love God with your whole being and love others as you love yourself. He takes that complexity and he simplifies it down. So then in the Bible, you've got these 66 books that can seem overwhelming, and as you know, it's complicated. But uh, there's this golden thread that goes throughout Mm -hmm. Scripture, and it really is simple. And it is that, you know, God made the world. He loves the world. Uh, we, We have made a mess as his creatures, and uh, he loves us enough to want to redeem that mess, and then one day he's going to clean up the mess. And so that's the whole, really the gospel, and it's it's a simple, uh, anyone can understand it, I, I should say a child can understand it, if the, whole, if the Spirit enables them to. And my story there is that when I was in college, uh, 
at the end of my college years, I, my sister's boyfriend, we were, we were pretty close, and we were hanging out at a bar together down in Olympia. And I, I just remember, and I was thinking about God, and I wasn't a Christian then, but I was thinking about if there were a God, you know, what would he be like? And, and her, her boyfriend had all these, and he went to Stanford, so he was one of these smart guys, you know. And I remember just turning to him and saying, you know, oh, you know, I, over a beer, some profound thoughts happened, and I said, uh, Tom, uh, you know, if there were a God, don't you think he would make himself knowable to anybody who would want to know him? I mean, it isn't that complicated. I mean, or at least he would want to make himself uh, known to anyone, like like a child even. And and uh, I remember saying those words in a bar in Olympia. So this this thought of keeping the main thing the main thing, uh, I think it's just really important. And, and that sermon series has amplified that as you've gone forward. So... You, we heard the scripture out of Matthew 6, um, where yeah. Jesus speaks about that. Yeah. What? How does that apply to this main well, thing? Yeah, particularly verse 33, which is uh, the kingdom, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let's go to the kingdom first. And the, the kingdom of God, there, there, there's many kingdoms. There's just, I mean, the potential for kingdoms is endless. And last week I talked about isms, and every ism is a kingdom. A kingdom is anything that has a, this power to it, authority to it. It captures your imagination. And so uh, anything in that category is a kingdom. It has sway over you. And Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is uh, it's the kingdom where God rules. And it would begin, first of all, I, I would see it the way Jesus is talking about, in our hearts, that he would rule in our hearts. And then it wouldn't stay there. It would it would go out into our behavior and ultimately into the world as he redeems it. Uh, and and then the it's not just the kingdom. You have the parallel seeking his righteousness. And that word righteousness has a, a deep history in the Bible. And uh, it it also is something of the heart. And uh, it, it, it means a character or a virtuous heart that is seeking good. And uh, it... But then it's not just contained in the heart. It has to find its expression, and particularly with righteousness, in a social setting. And so when, today, when we talk about racial righteousness, we're talking about uh, the right ordering and you know, good and fair ordering of racial relationships. And so that's one of our big topics of the day. And it's helpful to think in the Old Testament, the word righteousness or a righteous person is someone who is willing to disadvantage themselves for the sake of another person. So um, that's a pretty high calling. And you see that in Jesus Christ. He's the ultimate person who disadvantages himself as he dies for us. Now, for me personally, uh, I mean, the way I reflect on this is, you know, am I a kingdom follower or, and am I a righteous person? And that's where it gets real tricky. And uh, I, I know myself well enough to know that I, along with every other human being, there's this gap in our lives between what we should be and who we are. And how do we live with that gap? And then when, you, when you're a pastor living with that gap, do I need to finish the sentence here? I mean, it's harder to uh, to manage that that gap, but that that gap between where we how we function and where God wants us to function is where His grace comes in. It's where the Spirit works, and He closes that. That's what growth is: is closing of of that gap over time. So, uh, for me, I uh, you know the question comes up is 
how can I preach God's word if I'm not fully living God's word? Mm. I mean, every Sunday I have to wrestle with that, and I have to pray that God would uh, show me how to do that, grow me how to do that, and uh, it's it's that, that that is a big deal for for me and living into God's grace, um, internalizing God's grace. So it's not just a doctrine, the doctrine of grace. If it's not imparted to me, uh, what is it worth? And I would say that for everyone. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So that passage, Jesus speaks about a lot of things that touch us at that deeply personal level. What, yeah. what else do you see in that passage? Well, yeah. You know, this, the word anxiety is huge, and that's the context of what Jesus is talking about is uh, anxiety. So he talks about the birds uh, uh, of the air and the lilies of the field and um, brings it down to human beings and the anxieties that, that we feel. I'm gonna, and uh, it's, a, you know, when you, you think about uh, life, Jesus, he is so insightful. <laughs> he knows that part of our anxiety, at least, is the struggle with all these things. And he's giving us a tool to navigate all these things that uh, cause anxiety. He doesn't want that for us. So seeking first God's kingdom and God's righteousness is a, is a wonderful gift. Um, when you think about today, our anxiety, I got online yesterday, and I just Googled in anxiety index, and it's really high right now. And I don't think I have to give all the, the reasons why it's so high. But we live in a, in a time of, of high anxiety. And um, one of my favorite authors is you, uh, Ernest Becker, um, who another smart guy from the past. But he said that uh, anxiety, it's, it's the, the rumble... Uh, the rumble of panic that is underneath everything. And there is a lot of rumbling going on today. People are highly anxious. So these words of Jesus, I believe, are are for us today. Uh, And then he goes in in verse 34 at the end of that section to talk about how we borrow worry from the future. And that's a, you know, each day has, can't, I mean, I'll say it again. Jesus was absolutely brilliant. He, he could take the complicated or the complex and make it simple. Each day has enough worries of its own without borrowing from the worries of tomorrow. And then the Old Testament, just a little thing here that I remember from seminary, is the reason that there's such um, strong and um, numerous condemnations of going to an astrologer or going to a palm reader or a, a you know a seer is because God wants people, his people to trust him for the future and we have this something inside of us that doesn't want to trust God for the future and uh yeah anyway that's so for you personally i mean where does that show itself out to to not be anxious, to not worry about tomorrow. Oh, I have no anxiety ever. <laughs> That's what I thought your answer yeah, would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now for the truth. Um, the uh, the story that I love to tell, I'll start with this story, is, and I think I probably told it here before, but 
I'm at the point where I don't care. <laughs> you can tell it again. I can tell it again. Yeah, uh, when I was in Alaska, one of the ways that I dealt with my anxiety, or at least to practice Sabbath, was to go fishing uh, during the seasons, at least uh, once a week, and I, I would go on, on part as part of my Sabbath, and I would usually go with someone, but this particular time, it was, it was a time of high stress, and it was also a time uh, where I couldn't find anybody to go with. So I, there I'm wandering this little stream in the Alaska wilderness, and uh, no other humans around, and I got onto this sandbar, and I'm really tired from work, and and I saw this big uh, bear footprint. You know, there's a number of them, but pretty fresh. And I just had this sense that the right thing for me to do, and I know this is crazy, and I wouldn't recommend it to my kids especially, but was just to lie down with my head in that footprint, and it fit very well. I mean, it was, the footprint was bigger than my head, and take a nap. And I just had this sense of um, being held by my Heavenly Father in that footprint. And um, I'll probably never do that again in my life, but it was, it was really a beautiful thing for my soul. So we have this... Um, I was watching TV recently, and a, um, I'll just say who it was. It was a Charles Schwab uh, advertisement came on. And I noticed the tagline to it. And it's, it's everything that Jesus isn't saying here. It says, own your tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So Sharon, I, I'm just going to tell you, you, you too can own your tomorrow <laughs> if you invest properly. But that's, that's the, the lie that uh, Jesus is speaking into. We, we don't own our today, mm-hmm. let alone our tomorrow. And for me, uh, every phase of life that I've gone through, which I'll just say when I was uh, 20 years old, I wondered if I would ever get married. And then I got married, and I wondered if I would be able to provide for my family and buy a house. And then the kids came, and they got, and they got older, and I wondered if I'd be able to you know, get them to college mm-hmm. somehow. And then now retirement. And every phase of life has a reason to worry. You do not own, I do not own my tomorrow. And the, the, the more we can hear Jesus' words about, um, you know, just letting today be the gift that it is. Yes. And, and you can't enjoy the gift if you're letting tomorrow impinge upon it. And uh, that's a huge thing to learn mm-hmm. in life. One of the things that's helped me in that is the, um, just to relax in God's presence, and it's a struggle, but I think about the Old Testament and the three, what I would say, the, the big three personalities of the Old Testament would be Abraham, uh, Moses, and David. God made a covenant with each one of them. And so each one of them, they were deeply flawed, and they all had anxieties. They all had reasons for feeling unqualified, for the positions that they were called to as leaders. And yet, God called them as leaders. So I, I look at my life as, you know, somebody who was, um, they would say learning disabled now mm-hmm. when I was in grade school. And uh, when I, I, my high school years, I mean, there's not a lot of glory there that had anything to do with school. And there's a lot, of, I mean, just the sin of my teen and early 20s and how... God saved me, and as I look back on all of that, and then uh, you know, being in business for a long time too, and the, sort of the course of my life, I can hear David 
And you hear this two times in David's life in Scripture, in Second uh, Samuel uh, chapter 7, and then at the end of, uh, I think it's First Chronicles, where he says to the Lord in prayer, he says, Who am I? Who am I that you would choose me? And I think Abraham had that voice. Moses definitely had that voice. David had that voice. And I think I have that voice of looking back at life, saying, who, who am I? What did I do to deserve all of this? And it, it, I don't know, it just helps me to, that voice waking up in the morning, remembering that is really helpful. So that hearing that voice of God and knowing who you are in his presence, um, moving that sense of anxiety towards the church as the church thinks about tomorrow, concerns about the church. What might Jesus have to say to that, to us? Yeah. Well, all these things, right? Mm. Jesus said all these things. So seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and then letting all these things get sorted out. And I think uh, that's the the I, the big concern there is that we would get focused in on whatever all these things might be, and they, there's good things there in all these things. Any examples you'd bring up there? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think um, in this, I'll say it in communities like Sammamish, but it would be true of many communities that you have. You, we have, in terms of education and gifting, uh, there's super, just some amazing people here with life experience and gifts and all the rest. So um, I think the tendency would be to rely on those gifts. And um, I guess here's another Bible verse that sort of captures the main thing is, and I used it a few weeks ago, is from Zechariah 4, verse 6, is that it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And we make, I think, a big mistake, and I want to say this very carefully and clearly. We make a big mistake when we, instead of seeking God's kingdom, we try to build God's kingdom or bring God's kingdom. That is not our job. Our job is to seek God's kingdom. And when we try to build it or bring it, we're operating not in the spirit, but simply out of our gifting. And that gifting may, it is ultimately from God. But thank God, and this, this helps bring our anxiety down, uh, we are not responsible for bringing the kingdom or building the kingdom, just seeking the kingdom. Thank God for that. Yeah. <laughs> And, and one of the the phrases that I that I've had to just struggle with, and, or it's a question I've had to ask myself in every phase of my adult life, at least, is how can I be responsible without being anxious? And I think everybody who's uh, with us today, you, you know, you'd want to ask how. And that's the key: is how to be responsible without being anxious. So irresponsible is not good, but anxiety is not good. And so, you know, you got some people who are irresponsible and they're not anxious, and you got other people who are super responsible because those guys aren't doing their job and, you know, you got to do it for them. 
And then you get really anxious. And so it's, and, and you look to Jesus again as somebody who is both responsible and non-anxious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. That the church, as you talk about that, you can think of all the ways that a community steps into those same kinds of anxieties or yeah. trying to own tomorrow in a way that um, yeah. we're not called to do. We can't own tomorrow. Yeah. And to receive the gift of today is such a beautiful thing. And I, I, these are all things I've struggled with. So, yeah, it's I'm still on that learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and as I think about the days ahead for, for me, um, and there's, there, I'll just throw this in there. There's some anxieties there because, yeah. you know, we're stepping into a new phase of um, mm-hmm. what does that look like for somebody who's, who's put on my work clothes for 45 years and now mm-hmm. having to redefine what that looks like. How do I do that without anxiety? How do I be responsible? Mm-hmm. Maybe with less responsibility, but, you know. That's a, that's a balancing thing, isn't it? The responsibility, yeah. Yeah. not the anxiety. And I think part. it's one of those things where you're continually doing this, you know, you're, mm-hmm. um, so it's okay to. Any, um, words for the church in that, you know, as you talk about that balance between responsibility and not being over anxious, have you seen that show up in the church at all? Well, Let's yeah, just I, talk about us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, um, the um, well, before I before I can I can I share a story? I, I want to make Please, sure I share yes. this story. For me personally, mm-hmm. there was a guy. This is when I was in Alaska, and I I um, it was probably three or four years into me being a pastor, and I remember um, preaching my worst sermon <laughs> ever. I mean, I remember I I actually labeled it that, you know, <laughs> and it just didn't, you know, it, it was like an airplane that never got off the ground or whatever. And um, it felt like, you know, you, you know what it feels like when yes. you know, yeah, okay. But I got a phone call. It was, I think it was like 10 days later from a guy named Mike. And uh, I can't remember, I, th- I think he just called me to tell me that he had, through that sermon that day, he'd become a Christian. Mm-hmm. He'd given his life to Christ. And he, I used the word in that sermon, uh, I think it was moralism, that uh, and, and I defined the word moralism as opposed to somebody who's alive in Christ. And just that defining that, he realized that he was a moralist, not a, not a Christ-drenched mm-hmm. believer. Mm-hmm. And so he called me to tell me uh, the impact that that message had on him. Now, that is the Holy Spirit. And I, that was my learning point, at least one of my learning points, that it's, it's God's Spirit that is the key to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And the, the kingdom of God comes by, we can pray, we, we act in faith, and we trust in God's spirit. That's how the kingdom comes. And so some areas where we might get off track is thinking it comes through technology or cleverness or education or money. Those are not bad things necessarily, but that's not how the kingdom comes. Mm-hmm. So as you think about winding down your ministry and also stepping away from Pine Lake Covenant Church, what are some of your hopes for Pine Lake Covenant? Yeah, I think my biggest hope is connected with a fear that I have, mm-hmm. and that would be, uh, for this church, but any church, uh, consumerism is just so much a part of our, it's in the air we breathe, in the water we drink, that we're always looking for something that benefits ourselves more at a lower cost. 
And that is not the picture of the body of Christ. And so uh, I think it takes great wisdom to know how to approach consumerism as a Christian leader. Uh, you, you have to live in that world, but not be of that world. And uh, my fear would be that, you know, we would be uh, religious consumers. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, that alternate community that is committed to seeking the advantage of the other mm-hmm. or to becoming more to a follower of Jesus Christ. And Jesus' followers were not consumers. They suffered for following mm-hmm. him. It's hard. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do, I think, to follow Christ. Um, for everybody, for, for all Christians. Um, yeah. So that, that, my hope, that, that would be my biggest hope is that the Pine Lake Covenant Church would be that kind of community. And I, I'll just add this one mm-hmm. to close that, uh, another main thing, you know, verse is, and I had it read today is from Hebrews 13, verse 8, and that is Jesus Christ is the same. Mm-hmm. Now what else can you say this about? The same yesterday, today and forever is there anything else you could say that about i i don't i I can't think of anything that is even a candidate for that and that is the promise of scripture to us and uh, i hope that pine lake covenant church keeps the main thing the main main thing. thing Well, thank you for answering questions and sharing today and speaking into both your own life and ministry and and your hopes for this community that you're leaving. It was a privilege to hear it, and I think we'll come back to this and make sure that we're keeping the main thing, the main thing, um, a call you've you've given to each one of us. So I'm going to ask you to close our time together as people have joined in with our, our message this morning give you an opportunity to um, pray a blessing over this. Okay. Thank you. And is it okay if I pray for you? <laughs> I would be welcome. That would be okay. a welcome Well, thing. I'll include that. Yeah. Uh, Lord, thank you for this uh, chance this morning to reflect not only on this scripture, but upon my life with this community. And uh, Lord, I pray that it has been a blessing to to all and uh, I pray, God, I, I pray for Pine Lake Covenant Church, Lord, for your uh, good guidance for them into the future that can only be lived in the future, not today. So we set all the anxieties aside that relate to that and receive this day as a gift from you. But, Lord, the future and thoughts of the future, they do creep in. That's very real. And so I do want to pray for that. I pray that you're for your very best future for Pine Lake Covenant Church. And I pray for Sharon, for Pastor mm-hmm. Sharon, as she will be the key leader, at least in this time of transition. And I pray, God, for your spirit to fill her and uh, anoint her for the task that you've called her to. So, Lord, we um, we remember that you are the main thing. And uh, we are so thankful for that, that we are not. <laughs> we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.